Hello, Professor Matthew Brown. It is Professor Christopher Kavanagh, and we are here for Decoding the Guru's Grometer episode. And for people who don't normally join us for this, this is usually a, a patron bonus, but we're going to release it on the main feed as a little apology for the delay in releasing the main episode. And what we do here is we use the highly developed, rigorous science of garometry created and, and perfected really by Matt and I to mm. quantify scientifically to, to very fine points of discernment, the exact guru properties of the gurus that we've looked at on the episodes. And we do this by scoring them on 10 characteristics, which we think are quite common amongst gurus. And what do you think about that, Matt? Was that an accurate description of what the gurometer is for and does? Yeah, very good description. I mean, people can be misled by the name. It sounds kind of steampunkish, gives the impression of that there's, that there's some sort of rotary mechanisms at play, but actually it's a very precise instrument and where we can put very exact numerical scores on each of these domains that we think are associated with this phenomena, this complex that we call guruness. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, I hope Matt, that, you know, people know, right, that the tongue is in the cheek. I'll just, just in case, you know, sometimes you need to mm. signal to people online. It's a, the tongue is in the cheek. Yeah. It's, a, it's not a precise science. Yeah. We know, we know. Espe <laughs> yeah. Especially Americans. They sometimes miss this. Yeah, that's it. Just throwing <laughs> shade, throwing shade at Americans. So uh, Matt, uh, before we look, and we're going to put Lex and Jonathan into the grometer simultaneously because we did cover them both. But I just wanted to mention, I don't think you noticed, Lex just announced today, he's off. Have you seen where he is? Mm. What's he's up to? I believe he's gone to Ukraine, isn't he? Yeah, he's there now, I think, already. And the angling for an interview with Zelensky. Would you mm. read his chances of that? Or how do you feel about that? His chances of getting an interview? Yeah. Um, yeah, he might. I mean, he gets big names. His podcast has got, uh, you know, he gets really big names on his podcast. So it's not beyond the realm of possibility that he could get Zelensky. I mean, Zelensky will talk to Boris Johnson, so... I mean, on the other hand, Lex Friedman doesn't have a whole bunch of military hardware, I assume, to donate. So that counts against him, I think. Well, that's, but he does have the power of love, Matt. He does have the power of love. And it, but yeah, I think there's a chance he could, because, you know, I was thinking about it. And I have to give him kudos, because, like, he did, he has gone over, right, to what is an active war zone and seems mm. to be looking to interview people. I presume he's going to go to Russia. So I fear that this will end up like a bath, both sides in exercise in the long term. but we'll see if, how it goes, not prejudged. But I think like for Zelensky, I mean, Lex has a significant audience. The interview isn't going to be a hardball interview. So it, it really just depends on whether he judges it worthwhile or not, but yeah, so I think it could happen. I think the bigger concern is when, if and when Lex goes to Russia and what he chooses to do there, because 
I think it's pretty easy for Lex to be used as a mouthpiece for the regime over there. Like he's not the kind mm. of person that can ask critical questions of somebody skilled at media manipulation. I don't think he's going to get Putin to sit down. I can't imagine that, but yeah. Yeah, he may well sit down with somebody from the administration, which, yeah, it's hard to imagine that being... Like, what would it accomplish? What could it possibly accomplish? It's hard to imagine it accomplishing something good, to be honest. If you want the steel man, the positive version, right, it would be that Lex can mm. help people empathize with the different perspectives on the war and how these two leaders are actual men dealing with, you know, complex. They're not, they're not beasts or monsters. They're people that have their own point of view of the conflict. And, and that's the way it is. Like, I imagine that is part of how Lex would see it and he would see it as basically increasing people's empathy for everyone involved on both sides. That would be the, mm. the like pitch, I would imagine. Yeah, that's the pitch. I... Yeah, yeah. Trying try <laughs> to imagine someone, someone going off and sitting down with doing that with Mussolini in the 1930s, just... Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. I mean, or or a hit, it, or a little it, man, you know, old Adolf, <laughs> like <laughs> I, I think, like I have no difficulty understanding that Putin is a man with a his own perspective and his own slights and his own interests, and that he regards what he's doing as justified, and that he, you know, I don't like Robert Wright's cognitive empathy thing. I don't really get it hard. <laughs> that's the wrong way to express that. I don't really find it hard to understand the perspective of dictators. But in this case, having that empathy does not then really make me inclined to agree with, at all with Putin. And I think people that have known him, you, you recommended the podcast recently, Matt, where people talked about their long-term experiences with dealing with him, diplomats, uh, leaders of other countries, and people from his own administration. And they're all, all of their assessments are very similar and they're very much of the view that the conflict is his fault and it's, you know, his doing and, uh, yeah, that like it, that the notion that it's, you know, that, that like some people like to paint it as all, uh, an avoidable reaction to Western aggression just, just doesn't countenance the actual facts of what states in that region face from Russia as a geopolitical mm. reality. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. So it'll be just interesting to see what comes out of that. He'll no doubt end up interview interviewing somebody from those places and uh, be interested to see how he handles it. I mean, we can imagine how he would handle it. But <laughs> yeah, but we might we be wrong. Will... We might be wrong. And, uh, and we might, we've talked about that we might do a coda on Lex because he did a recent interview with Joe Rogan that was quite interesting. And if we do it, we're not going to do the whole episode. We'll just do like a short segment on it, a kind of coda, a bit more culture war episode. But in any case, let's get to the reason we're here, Matt, the garometer. That's what we're here mm. for. Yep. Okay. So let's do this garometer. In the case of Lex Friedman in particular, like I said in the episode, I feel like to some degree, the jury is out with me with Lex because in the material that we covered, I'm not sure we had huge amount to go on. So my suggestion, Chris, is that we can rate Lex in a preliminary kind of way. And if we cover him again, we could maybe adjust our initial impressions. Does that sound okay? 
Well, yeah, I believe that's in uh, subsection six of the Garometer Constitution. That's allowed. So <laughs> I'll allow it. Yes. So this is the provisional score of Lex Friedman based on the content that we looked at. That is always our provision. Our scores are like an amber fossil from Jurassic Park of when we um, scored the gurus. So, so don't take it as a living document. Yep. But, but still, it's very accurate. Very accurate. <laughs> um, okay, so our first uh, component on the garometer is galaxy brainness. And this refers to the tendency of the potential guru to offer their hot takes widely across a constellation of topics. Uh, how, how willing are they to do so? And Lex and height, I think, first of all, height, no. I think he's relatively constrained about, like he, he does talk about, you know, social issues and stuff, but he's very clear about where he's drawing his point of view from, the data and, you know, and he has nuanced perspectives. Sometimes he goes a bit far, but he's, I don't think he's widely ranging across topics he doesn't know. And no. Uh, and what about, so I'm going to give height one, but what about Lex? Well, first of all, with height, yeah, I think he's, he's a pretty typical academic in the sense that he has, like he, he does drift around over his career, you know, and have those areas of focus, but, but, and that's totally normal. And uh, like you said, it's, it's based on his academic research and reading of the literature and, and perhaps his own empirical work. Uh, so there's nothing galaxy brained about that. Yeah. Like you said, he, but he does, he does, um, he does. He does gesticulate a little bit broadly, doesn't he, when it comes to the like the implications of the moral foundations, for instance. Like, yeah, it's but pretty, that's, it's kind of broad. I mean, it's broad, but it's not mm. across. It doesn't like you don't hear him offering thoughts about the tax uh, code or you know like about how no, to solve the no. conflict in Ukraine, right? Like I, he's not that kind of person. So yeah, no, that's true. Uh, look, with Lex, uh, yeah, I think Lex is is prepared to dip his toe into pretty much anything. Yeah, he's pretty. He uh, this is. I mean, but how much how much sort of expert authority does he actually does he? <laughs> yeah. um, Matt, come or, on, or, or does he purport? Or, do, or no, no, how much expert does he purport to have? I was going. Um, oh yeah. Does he? Well. Like, it's so, I, this might be a rare occasion where you're going to give him a higher mark than I am because I think he's willing to venture opinions and to, like, use his professed expertise in AI and programming to talk to a, a wide array of culture war topics. But I, I think he does it with a little bit more reservation than is typical of like the worst offending guru. So I'm going to, like, he's not a James Lindsay. He's not a Jordan Peterson, right? He's nothing like that. So I put him down mid range free, free for me. Yeah. That's, that's where I was going with that too. Um, oh, the, your four um, changed to your free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 That's, yeah. I, see I the talked game. myself out. I talked, uh, I talked myself out of it. Okay. Did uh, you? Yeah. So second component. <laughs> Matt, do you want to take the summary of this okay. one? Okay, so started with Jonathan Haidt. Oh, sorry, no, got to summarize. So cultishness. So these are the 
this pertains to the way in which uh, the the person interacts with their audience, interacts with their followers, whether or not there are any of those slightly problematic parasocial or otherwise facets to their sort of building up an in-group and an out-group, making out that the people on the in-group are, are very special and better somehow. And there's a bunch of little toxic levers that um, the, the gurus can pull. Now, Jonathan Haidt, I would say, is not like that at all. No. Very, a very conventional. Um, he doesn't sort of, even yeah, public really. academic type. In I mean, he, he's admired to some extent within the heterodox sphere and, and in academia because he's an influential academic. He does also attract criticism from the more progressive strand for various ticks that he's had. But I, I think that he doesn't, he doesn't strike me as somebody cultivating like a cult of personality or trying to do that or, and if anything, he does try to draw a bipartisan points of view about like that we should all be, you know, we shouldn't look badly at people from either side. So he's a little bit, <laughs> he's a little bit more, uh, not inclined towards the, the, like the social justice left in that regard. But, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I don't think he, he engages that. So like, it's an easy one for me and Lex, we, we talked a little bit about the end about, you know, tongue and cheek, man tongue-in-cheek about the harem, <laughs> but I, I think Lex does, does a little bit cultivate, uh, a cult of personality, which was on show in the content that we looked at, uh, you know, and having a, a uniform that you were and a, the, that kind of persona, it might not be his fault entirely. It might just be the nature of the beast you know, from the kind of content he produces and his personality, but, but I, I think there's a bit of it. So I'm going to put him at two. Yeah. Like we, like we said in the episode, he comes across more of a, as a monk in the sphere than, than a cult leader. So I'm going to give him a two as well. Yeah. Uh, anti-establishmentarianism. So as the name suggests, kind of straightforward, the degree to which people disparage mainstream or institutional sources of information and set, importantly, set themselves up as alternative epistemic authorities. This is like a component of it. And, uh, there, I, I think Lex has a tendency towards this. You know, he, he does lean towards that presenting this kind of enlightened both siderism, right? And he, that is also why he basically has the Joe Rogan school of thought about controversial issues, you know, that there's both sides. And I seen him on Rogan talking about how can, how can scientists be so arrogant that this <laughs> to automatically dismiss flat earthers, right? Or not even they're just like other people. And he, so the, this both siderism comes into play in the same way that he profiled Brett Weinstein and he admires Joe Rogan. So I think he does do that. But on the other hand, he does have a track record of inviting on more, uh, like mainstream or, uh, or scientific authorities to respond to issues. So I think he does a bit better at like, than like say Rogan on the Weinstein in actually presenting, uh, mainstream sources as well. So 
I guess I'm going to put it in the middle of the road again. Three and and hate to say, oh, on that. I, the, I guess the heterodox academy thing counts a little bit for you know promoting at the establishment takes and makes him a little bit lean towards you know simple. He wrote the foreword for Brett Weinstein's new book and praised it, for example. Uh, so uh, he's inclined that way, but not maybe two. Too. Yeah, they're kind of similar in this sense, aren't they? So I don't think either of them, I didn't, I'm not aware of them coming out with sort of explicitly anti-establishment takes, you know, on the, the kind of thing that a Brett Weinstein would do. On the other hand, there is that strong skepticism of the, of orthodoxies and they both contribute to the kind of a, a flattening. You know, the, the, you know the, the great flattening that people have talked about in terms of the media and stuff like that, where, you know, somebody that they like or some personality that is, that is well-known or whatever gets, gets equal status, gets, gets automatic, you know, and that, that emphasis on personal relationships. So that kind of implicitly contributes to that anti-expert, anti-institutional, anti-establishment kind of thing just by, just by sort of leveling everything and going, well... I, I trust everyone the same, and this person I've actually met, and I really like them, and they seem really nice. So, they sort of, it, yeah. I do get that, but I, I think that height, like on the episode with Lex, for example, you know, when they talked about disinformation, he he referenced Rene de Resta and the reports about Russian disinformation, and I, I think height has a tendency to, like, he's unlikely, I think, to slip into anti-vaccine apologetics or anything like that because of this tendency. It's more that he will be uh, kind of partial towards people who are claiming that they were victimized by a woke mob, right? That's that's his like kind of Achilles yeah. heel. I think he's a bit too credulous when it comes to that kind of person. But other than that, I think yep. he's pretty good. Yeah, that's that's what I think too, so... Yep, I see we can have the same scores there. Three and two for Lex and Johnny. Grievance mongering? Mm, okay, my turn. Uh, so, grievance mongering. What is grievance mongering? Well, a lot of these gurus do have this tale of grievance, uh, like a personal backstory in which their ideas have been suppressed, they haven't been recognized, and the the, the powers that be are afraid of, of them. And this kind of helps explain, I guess, their, their personal situation as a... As a Mm. Someone who's talking directly to the people, speaking truth against power. power. Okay. So as well as that personal grievance, um, this also encompasses that kind of generalized societal grievance, the kind of thing that Trump famously tapped into, that that, that sense that, you know, you're being hard done by the, 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 the people who are running the show don't have your best interests at heart and are basically screwing you over. And, uh, you know, tapping into that um, latent emotional response. So, let's see. I didn't. How about you go first? I didn't really. Did you get any sense of grievance, Chris, from Lex and Jonathan? I didn't, at least not in this content very much. I mean, yeah, I didn't. Mm. I didn't get that sense from uh, Lex and Mm. no one. And and, and in fact, fact, Chris, sorry to interrupt, but Lex kind of emanates the opposite of that. He's all about the kind of. Being, being grateful. Live and let live. What an amazing, yeah, yeah. So he did block yeah. us. <laughs> but, uh, but, we can't you know, quite that. We can't. We can't. 
<laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you know, what poor judgment, but yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna, I, 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 I'm willing to revise this if it turns out I'm wrong, but I don't, I don't see a tale of grievance as a core part of what Lex is doing, nor do I see it on the part of height, like not directed at him personally. You know, we talked, he's a little bit annoyed at students being too sensitive and potentially making him afraid of them. But it's, it doesn't rise to the level of grievance. grievance though, no, really. no. Yeah. He's, no. They're both warm. That's uh, what I would say. Yeah. I did. I, I will say I did yep, hear once... an interview with height about two years ago or three years ago by Ezra Klein. And it, in that episode, there was a lot <laughs> of uh, grievance mongering, at least in my ear, but I didn't hear it in this content. So that's the one. Okay. Self-aggrandizement. Oh, this is an interesting one. So I, I came with height. Mm. I'm going to put that low. I think height doesn't do, you know, he's confident in his own abilities. He believes in what he's saying, but he's, he's not doing this kind of narcissistic presentation of himself. Like he's, a, he's very much about, it's about the data and the interpretation of strength of the data. And that's what carries his argument, not like him and his, uh, you know, special, special abilities and special insights no, and whatever. Anybody no. could look at the data and see no. the same thing, right? Yep. 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 He's a typical, yeah, collegial academic in that sense. So Lex Friedman and self-aggrandizement. And look, this is something that's sort of linked to the narcissism we see in the more toxic gurus where, where they do make out that they're special in various ways. Now, look with Lex, let's talk this through, Chris. I mean, because in some ways he's very very humble, very self-effacing mm -hmm. and so on. Yes. Um, but it, it, in other ways, he does take his, his lifestyle and his, his work and his, his way of doing things very seriously in that hyper-optimized, yeah. hyper-productivity, maximizing sense. And there's a way in which you can present yourself, you know, the holier than thou kind of thing, right? Where you are like... It's you're demonstrating your superiority by saying how, in, you know, incredibly humble you are and how, how much status doesn't matter to you and how, how unremarkable, uh, like the, there's a way that that can be done. And, it, and particularly the kind of health and wellness gurus occasionally use this to, you know, like be manipulative. And the, so I, I think there's an aspect of that in Lex, but I, I will say that I probably, I had, would have rated this much higher before I listened to the content because I, I would instead put the naivety meter much higher than like, you know, you could be reading Lex as being like very strategic and manipulative or extremely sincere. And I think a lot of the time the knob is turned to, he really is that sincere. Um, and yeah, uh, it's a tricky one though, isn't it? That sincerity thing, Chris, because, you know, Eric Weinstein is quite sincere in his belief that he's, he's a freaking genius. Um, and yeah, Lex but he's not, Friedman has, you know, has said that he's, you know, he's available. He's, a, he, he might be called upon one day to sort things out. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, but he does it, he, do, he, he does do it in a, he's in not, a but look at Russell Bryant, like weird. look at the highest scoring people in this category, right? Russell Bryant, Eric yeah. Weinstein. Then he's nothing like that. 
right? And and no. he's not as low as like somebody uh, like ContraPoints, I think, or Carl Sagan. I don't think he falls that mm. low, but he's it's no. kind of mid, like two two and a half. Yeah, I was yeah I was edging towards three. I was looking at the other people I gave three to, and it's people like Rutger Bregman and uh, Ibrahim. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, so I'm going for three. I'm going two point five because I'm more precise. Mm. Okay, <laughs> Cassandra complex. So <laughs> this warning about impending doom that other people cannot see. Right, that's the the key thing is that that you, whether or not the danger is real, just that people will not heed you and you are warning them. Now, Lex. Lex kind of uses other people to do that. You know, he he just platforms people and lets Brett Weinstein or Eric Weinstein waffle off and talks a little bit. But I, I think he is, in contrast to a lot of the people in the guru sphere, he is fundamentally, you know, an optimist about the future, which is a little bit rare. Mm. So I kind of feel like he does issue warnings but he doesn't have a cassandra complex like i wouldn't i wouldn't put him high on that i put him one or two yeah i cannot recall any evidence of that either and uh as a result i'm going to give him a one because i because i got nothing right nothing's coming to mind i've got i'm you know, going just, by just like, like he's of... talking about these he's he... i'm going to give him two he, just he's talking about these jazz feeling <laughs> okay <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, part of part of his job is interviewing people, and it's you know making it making it more interesting and talking about pressing issues and so on. So just like any journalist who he'd be writing for a for a paper or whatever, there's a natural tendency to make things out to be a bit more pressing, a bit more you know of a drama or a big deal than they are. But that's not that's not Cassandra complex level stuff. Hey, there's the one thing Height does. Like to me, he's up at the top because. He's just, that is what he's saying. He's saying, I have been warning everybody. I've seen this coming. People are denying it's happening. And, uh, like I, you know, I feel a little bit bad putting him up there, you know, with the, cause I think his concerns are more legitimate and, and like based on more sound evidence, but in terms of like, you know, the guru characteristics, I, I think height is up at five for this, for me. The, yeah. Uh, I, but, but yeah, overall, he doesn't have all the negative characteristics associated with it, but it, but he's, he's up at the top. I, I'm just seeing that I only gave, um, Gerard Lanier 2.5 on Cassandra complex, even though, you know, he's warning of very bad things. That's, about well, I give him free as well. well. We must've been like on a good word with him or whatever but yeah, yeah, yeah. height probably yeah. if if John Lani is a three height is a four but I I feel yeah. height is actually a five so I'm, I'm gonna go yeah, 4.5 4.5 yeah. Matt all right yeah well I'm going for yeah I think yeah um next is revolutionary theories what's that okay so in contrast to the galaxy brainness which is like feeling that you're equipped to have these deep insights across all these different fields and drawing these connections between disparate things. Revolutionary theories is more about laying claim to, to having, you know, revolutionized a particular area, usually without, without sufficient justification. Like if Albert Einstein 
said that <laughs> he'd revolutionized physics and you know we wouldn't we would uh, definitely give him a pass but when eric weinstein does it well, we don't so <laughs> yeah yeah that's his but you know and, and in the same respect it doesn't i think the one thing about the grometer is it's just noting are the characteristics there right like it doesn't mean that people who get the exact same score are the exact same kind of person or doing it for the same reasons like that's not that's not it's not what the instrument claims right that's uh, not what it's about of course that's not what it's about you gotta have some art to your science there's there's an art of interpretation (laughs) um and (laughs) in this respect i'll start with height because i think he's a little bit easier to do like height Hyde is actually someone, I think, that has legitimate claim to having made very influential revolutionary theories in some respects for various topics within psychology, moral foundations theory, what's that called? Social intuitionist model uh, uh, and and so on and so forth. Like, I, I think Hyde is generally a very influential social psychologist, but he doesn't play that up, actually. And he very much emphasizes, again, the data, the evidence for his positions and how, you know, like he is drawing his position from the evidence. I think you can disagree with him, but, you know, there's no problem with people having their own theories and their own models where they're based on evidence. So, I mean, I might put him slightly above one just because he he does offer a lot of them. But yeah, but like he's not high. Two, Two would be the highest I'd go for him. Yeah, I'm with you there. That's a good clarification that, you know, just somebody who, who is influential, who who does have theories that have had some traction um, and represents them and, you know, defends them and so on. That's not what we're getting at with revolutionary theories. It's, it's really unfounded claims. And as you said, it, it's about playing yourself up, puffing yourself up. Uh, that in in a way that's unwarranted, and if anything, Jonathan is compared compared to most academics I know that are a kind of a big deal in their area. He's he's probably more on the he's, he's, he's like a Paul Bloom type, typical Paul person. Bloom type. I think. Yeah, I'm, I actually got, I got, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it down to one. I had one point five, but I've talked myself down to one. You've talked me down to one point five, and uh, like uh, I, you know, look Montagnier and and various other Nobel Prize winners, for example, they won the Nobel Prize for doing you know, groundbreaking work or being on groundbreaking teams, but they often then go on to have what they would claim are revolutionary theories about, you know, homeopathy or various things. Mm -hmm. And that is a good illustration that like the two things are separate, right? Like not, you could have actual revolutionary theories and it wouldn't make you score high on the revolutionary theory component of the grometer. Yeah. Now, I think a good illustration of that is uh, Roger Penrose. Yeah, so so Roger Penrose is like a brilliant mathematician, physicist, all the rest. Um, and then he subsequently, you know, consciousness read some is books and was quantum. Yeah, consciousness is quantum. Uh, yeah. Now, actually, I'm not quite sure whether to put that in galaxy brainness or revolutionary theories, but that there's some pretty there's some pretty hot takes there that are well outside of his thing. Um, where he gets ahead of his skis a bit, in my opinion. That's I why mean, other he gets on well with Eric, so, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah related yeah. to that. But he, he, um, he, he does, does he? He gets does. On well with Eric. Yeah, they'd been interviewed by Eric mm-hmm. and they, you know, they had a nice chat. But yeah, but Penrose, I think, is also like semi-infamous for having interviews with 
people that are on the fringes and not really, you know, pushing back much. So, mm, mm, yeah. yeah, but, a, but yeah. a genuine, like a genuine, very smart guy with very influential theories and stuff. So no denying that it just doesn't mean that they're, you therefore have to assume that they're right about everything. No, especially, especially, and we're getting off topic here, but especially kind of in this latter part of their career, like a lot of the time with these hard sciences, yeah, they make, they, they do do genuinely amazing and important stuff, maybe, maybe aged up to 40 or something, right? And then, and then they sometimes can spend the next 20 or 30 years doing the circuits and writing increasingly hand wavy books. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. So what about Lex? I would say. Lex, he didn't go into it in this content, but I think he does actually claim to have various, you know, like even that thing about the deep work, what he's up to is, he's very much (laughs) presenting it like he's, you know, he's working on revolutionizing various things like, and that. He's doing something amazing with that deep work. We don't know exactly what, but it's going to be big. Yeah. And like, I think it might be building a love AI, a love (laughs) bot. I think that's what he's up to. So, someone, someone to love him. Just well, from no, Matt, no more like you know, like in the Age of Ultron and Avengers, where they wanted to build a robot shield around the Earth. Lex wants to build a robot to hug us all, just to like wrap us all up in the warm blanket and tell us that we're you know we're all right. So yeah, so I'm putting him at three. Is that he didn't? I I. Didn't see a huge amount of it in this content, but I kind of sensed it, like an X month. Well, I didn't. Yeah. Well, I didn't see him claiming anything great in what we saw. He's he's obviously beavering away at something very important. But what do, can you remember, Chris? What what is it, if anything, that he's actually claimed to have revolutionized? It's just no, he he hasn't claimed the revolutionized. It's just like there's a consistent kind of hint that it's very important work that's going to make a big impact. Like I remember when he was talking about the, the study that he was going to do about masks at the start of the pandemic, like the way for him that the Rogan was, you know, it's going to resolve everything and be, it, it's presenting rather than making an incremental contribution to knowledge that you're going to, you know, define <laughs> the area. And like, that's just unrealistic. So I, I might be being a little bit harsh. All right, I'll put him down to 2.5. All right. I'm going to give him a two just from what you said, but just because it's hearsay, I'm only going up one. Okay. Uh, pseudo profound bullshit. Now, this is the thing where it's all about how they talk, it's all about how they structure things. They might be using extremely scientific technical jargon. They might be using a lot of acronyms. Hello, Eric. They might be. You know, speaking in this extremely uh, performative way so as to convey the um, strong impression that they are a very, very special uh, and insightful person indeed. Or they could be talking like Deepak Chopra and, um, you know, use talking that what they call, yeah, bullshit, which is uh, stuff that sounds truthy without actually meaning anything. So. Hype one for me. What do you think? Height doesn't do it. Like he uses metaphors that I find a bit too flowery, but like, so what, you know, that's just a personal taste. So he's one, he's quite clear and he uses, 
He does use technical terms and stuff, but he uses them appropriately. So height is one for me on this. Um, old Lexi, I think he speaks relatively plainly, but he's a bit prone yeah. towards poetic, you know, descriptions of things and like these kind of extremely sincere sounding asides about the nature of the universe or mankind and stuff and like yeah. it's not using the big words but it's using this like you know like it's profundity it's like yeah profundity tone so yeah that kind of that that quick segue to something extremely deep and meaningful that's hmm, yeah that's wondering like it's yeah. ad read for the <laughs> the boat ride or whatever so i i'm not gonna put him high but i'm gonna put him at like two for this rather than one because i think he does do but generally he's not using i didn't witness him just like babble on um in like pseudo jargon inappropriately hmm yeah yeah, it's kind of surprising to me that people, I think the impression that I get from reading the comments to his videos is that people do see him as extremely profound and um, a little bit mystified as to why. Well, that's not the impression I He get. doesn't even... Pre- I as a, yeah, I mean, and also to his credit, he just doesn't seem to pretend to be that profound. No, no, I mean, I meant um, the comments. So... I see a lot of comments like saying... <laughs> sort of the opposite <laughs> but the, in, oh. <laughs> in any case yeah not so that's a good thing right in this context he's not he's not trying to bamboozle yeah. with big words so yeah yeah, Cons- yeah like 1.5 conspiracy mongering okay this I think it speaks for itself right like you know the proneness towards promoting grand conspiracies to explain things and invoke sinister forces holding you down I think mm-hmm. Lex is susceptible to conspiracy narratives promoted by his guests, but he himself, mm, like, I think he's just susceptible to, uh, like, I don't think he's a Rogan type where he has all these narratives in his own mind that, you know, like he's just waiting for the opportunity Mm. to extol. I think he's more reactive. And so he strikes me as like, somebody who's vulnerable to a conspiracy yarn, but not that fantastic at generating them himself. So I put him at like two, 2.5. Yeah. 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 I can't rate someone that high just for being gullible, open to it, if you like, (laughs) or or not, yeah, not, not pushing back on it. So yeah. Gullible. Hi. What about (laughs) hi? I give him a two. Oh, I'd one, I can't think of any. Think. No, I think he like he's he's just critical of social. What did I give Drone Larnia a two? He's probably well, he's not. Yeah, I think he's slightly less conspiratorial than Drone Larnia. So yeah, heights one. I don't, but I know my. Yeah. I'm thinking of a different piece of content where he was more conspiratorial. Okay, I'm gonna push him up one point five. <laughs> 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 All right, you know about that content. I don't. All right, so last one, profiteering. This is a pretty straightforward one. It's just, are oh. they going at going? Oh, what? No, no, carry oh, on. Can yeah. I actually continue? Yeah. Just, just thinking. Yeah, just thinking. Avoid uh, reading yeah. them, and I got excited. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, okay, not much to say here anyway, because it's just about uh, do they go a bit too far 
in monetizing? Like, are they clearly in this biz of being an influencer, being an, an online commentator? And are, are they quickly, uh, but too exuberantly, transmuting that into 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 money? Um, yeah. Or it, it could be going going for attention, going for a bigger bigger platform, so you can you know ultimately get more money. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So height for me is a one, just a standard academic, but like he, he could do much more if he wanted to like profit from the things that he's doing. So, yeah. and it doesn't strike me as somebody profiteering. I don't get the vibe from him. Uh, legs on the other hand, he seems to be something of a maximizer, right? Like the advertisements, yeah. I, I will talk, was talking to someone about this and kind of working out, you know, X amount of ads per episode with X reach, right? Plus the ad revenue, plus the, I mean, he's very good at making money at the very least is what we could say. And I, yeah. I think there's a Rogan, like he's kind of copying Rogan and Rogan is like, um, uh, another like profiteer, right? Shilling supplements and that kind of thing. And, and Lex is promoting supplements and doing that kind of thing. And I, I. I think he could do more if he wanted. He could, you know, be selling more stuff and kind of trendy, trading on this brand a bit more. But I, I still think he's he's doing enough. So I'm going to put him 2.5. Yeah, yeah, I get that feeling too. Even though, like, like Lex presents himself as someone who is fundamentally an AI researcher and, and a deep thinker. And, but... He does like a lot of these figures. Like his, his, he does seem to behave more like an influencer, someone who is maximizing, as you said, um, lots of stuff, whether it's advertising and you know that kind of reach and so on. And you know that's not, it's not such a terrible thing. It, but it is, it is treating the the business as a business. So it's there's a little bit of a mismatch there in terms of how mm. how you're presenting yourself and how you're behaving. So. That inclines me to go a little bit higher to three. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so interesting thing, Matt, I, uh, I put in our, the scores, right. Overall and both of them don't score like height is very low. One of the lowest that we've had so far uh, for me, it's twin. Wait, which one is it? <laughs> I've got the. Two ones, 13.75, I think is his overall score, uh, like percentage wise, if the, the score, but 15 on the, like, um, the sum of all the scores and that's low for you a little bit higher, surprisingly. Uh, yeah, I've stuffed this up a bit. Hang on. Oh no, you haven't. That's all right. That's Lex. I was looking at Lex. That's Lex. Oh, yeah. height is lower. So I know I, yeah. Yeah. I'm but, 14. So you got, you got 10%. For me, height first fourteen percent for me. One of the lowest. Me. That's that's yeah, mm. that's low. Whereas uh, Lex is still low, thirty-one percent for me. For you, twenty-nine percent basically. That puts him mm -hmm. relatively low, like around the range of candy. And uh, who else is kind of around that level? Hmm. Uh, Maybe like a bit higher than Michaela or, or sorry, Brené Brown and so on, but, but not that high. So that's interesting. 
I thought Lex would have scored a bit higher, yeah. but mm, yeah, he yeah. should be happy with that. Yeah, no, yeah, he should be happy with that. Yeah, like I don't like he just. I think the fundamental reason why he doesn't score that high is that you know he does he does um, come across as as we talked about like a like a techno monk, and uh, that that techno monk aesthetic and and manner of presentation, you know, it might be in our view pretty kind of naive and a bit facile and not very mm, interesting but it's that's kind of the opposite of what the self-aggrandizing you know bombastic guru thing is all about yeah and i did hear in background matt the traditional klaxon of the um the dog toy that heralds <laughs> the the end of all <laughs> uh decoding the guru episodes but i did want to mention just before we go that if you want to play along a listener whose name just currently escapes me, but was set up the Discord, uh, has created a document where people can supply their own ratings and these will be contributed to a, uh, a little spreadsheet that you can look at. So in the, in the description for this episode, if you want to submit your own ratings, please do. And we would be very happy to receive to see them yeah so uh, uh those will be in and yeah if you can contribute your own ratings you want to tell us how much we've got wrong we'll be glad to look at them and and play along at home absolutely yeah please do yeah we want to crowdsource this we want to see whether other people agree with us it'll be interesting whether if we come across a guru where the other people's opinions are completely out of step with ours. So, uh, yeah, let's find out. Hmm. All right. So, good day, Matt. Note the disc, accord the gin, watcha, watcha, take care on the dirty streets out there. <laughs> Will do. Get back to my very, very important science business. Mm, that's all right. Calibrating grammar and whatnot. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.